Hello, everybody. Mike Pasco here with another episode of Dissecting Philately, the podcast that offers glimpses into the philatelic adventures of an academic anatomist. I'm so glad you could join me for an episode featuring black leader Barney Ford. Let's begin. Well, I am back, back for another year. This is the 2022 edition, uh, rolling into the year. I am super excited for all of the philatelic adventures that are about to happen this year. I'm going to share my my first philatelic adventure with you uh, in a moment as we focus this episode, but I really am hopeful. Uh, I, I really am setting a goal to be more regular. I can't remember the last time I published one of these. I think it was August was the last episode when I was able to travel along Interstate 70 in Colorado. You'll want to check the backlog of episodes for what that was all about. The podcasting is going pretty well given the irregularity and the low frequency of publication. This is episode number 13 and and I've had, according to my statistics, 1.4 thousand total plays, so like 1,400. Sounds pretty cool. And the platform uh, is estimating this is coming from around 38 audience members. So if you're one of the regular 38, it is great to be back with you. And maybe, uh, hopefully, this has grown um, and expanded in reach and that maybe you are number 39. That can only be my hope. Now, I am going to let you know uh, just at the beginning here that uh, with a goal to be more regular in podcasting, I also have a goal to have a lot more custom covers produced this year. So just briefly, I got into the production of making my own designed uh, artwork, if you will. These are also um, philatelic commemoratives. They commemorate many historic events, people, and places that I find interesting. And I did, uh, maybe I did maybe 10 or 12 of these in 2021. And I really spent some time planning out and setting some important dates to observe for 2022. So I am getting rolling here and I hope to keep you updated on those accomplishments. So basically uh, the way this process goes, I am looking at the calendar and looking at many calendars, obviously, I'm looking across all kinds of significant event lists, significant births, significant deaths related to anatomists, uh, Colorado history, medical history, postal history, previously commemorated events, uh, a lot of sports history too. Uh, I'm a big baseball junkie, right? So if there's anything related to baseball that seems to be historic or a milestone, I'm planning for it and I want to capture it uh, on paper, on my envelope, my custom cover. So just to give you a little bit of a sense by what I mean by anniversaries, I don't know if this is an agreed upon definition, but I really focus mainly on the Jubilee years. And I don't know if this is kind of like a British thing with, uh, I think of like the Jubilee of the coronation or some kind of monarch observation. But basically, I want to really focus on events that happen in 25 year increments. So like 25 years ago, all the way to 200 years ago, I want to kind of put some kind of guide rails on this. And I'm not entirely limiting myself to these time frames, But this is what I used as I did my internet search for 
uh, Google searches things like important anniversaries in 1822, uh, significant anniversaries or dates in 1847. I also focused on 1872, 1897, 1922, that would be 100 years ago, of course, and then 1947, 1972, all the way through 1997, that is 25 uh, years ago. So that was my scope. I just went across several, probably like 12 or 14 different sources, Wikipedia, uh, baseball websites, just looking for significant events. So I've got a list of maybe 50 events, and I did have to rank prioritize them because you know, I've got a young family, uh, I've got a career, I just want to make sure I can squeeze in some high priority events. And then uh, if some fall off and are not accomplished, that's just fine. I also am going to keep my eye on the postage stamps that the United States Postal Service is going to issue for this year. As up to now, I'm not seeing any uh, commemorative uh events or any stamps that are being announced as their first day being in Colorado. There were some last year and I was able to be a part of that and make my own custom covers for first day of issue. That was pretty uh, unique and interesting. Hopefully that one of the or more cities in Colorado is a first day city and I get to join in in that excitement again. And another development I want to add here as I wrap up my opening remarks, one thing that's really helped me come a long way in improving the art that I can put on these covers, I've created my own homemade light box. So this helps me with tracing. If I have some kind of uh, image like a line drawing or something that I really want to transfer onto the envelope, I get really nervous about pushing envelopes through the printer. You have to get the sizing right. There's ink issues. There's orientation issues. And many times I'm using envelopes that I have a limited supply of and I don't want to waste any. So I got a, uh, I made a light box. I took a small cardboard box. I cut a hole in the side. I fed some exterior Christmas lights that are white bulbs and I can plug that into an outlet and that will illuminate the box and then I have a piece of glass that I think is from an 8x10 photo frame and that is my drawing surface. So I first put the original image on the glass and then I set my envelope on top of that. The light shines through the original document that I'm trying to trace from, and I can make a pretty good image. I can see it pretty well. It's not perfect. It's not really good, but it's something that I did with things around the house. I didn't have to buy anything. Um, I taped the glass to the top of the box. The box is open. The, The four flaps are off to the side. So it's pretty stable. It's pretty sturdy. And Uh, It's looking good. So the last thing I want to mention that's related to this custom cover uh, project, this side hobby that I have, is that I would love to direct you to a gallery that I have online of all of the custom covers that I have so far cataloged in my collection, but that platform closed down. So I'm talking about the platform called Snups, S-N-U-P-P-S. Uh, Maybe you heard about it. Maybe uh, you see a link to it on my uh, Dissecting Philately link tree. But guys, this is just, you know, kind of a reminder that 
all of these platforms are subject to the whim and the will of the developers. And I haven't officially heard what's going on with Snups. I don't know if my photos are gone. Um, it's not a ton of time and effort that went into building these. But guys, I saw so many people cataloging their collections. And now all of that's gone. And it's really sad. And I don't know if there's any options or recourse that can be made in recovering. But just, I guess, my... Uh, my realization is I have to be good about my own archiving of my own images and uh, make sure they're on something like a network accessible server, something in the, well, even in the cloud, I guess the cloud could always go away too. So just make sure you've got a good plan B uh, in case whatever third party platform you're using decides to shut down. Let's move on. Okay, let's move on to the next segment of the episode. It's called By the Numbers. Now, being uh, dissecting philately, I do like to fold both anatomy and philately into each episode just to help cross uh, either one of the audience members over from one side to another. Uh, I'm sure that there are some anatomists that are listening into on this and hopefully they learn about philately. There may be more philatelists listening in that will learn something about anatomy. So I'll touch on each category in this segment called by the numbers. Let's start with anatomy. Now, the anatomical 13, and remember by the numbers, I'm throwing back to the episode number. So this is episode number 13. The anatomical 13. Well, if you've been keeping up with me in the previous episode numbers, uh, the anatomical by the numbers, the real logical thing to go with for 1 through 12 are the cranial nerves. We have 12 pairs of cranial nerves that emerge from the brain and brainstem, but we're at a, we're at week 13, so we are beyond cranial nerves now. So the best I could come up with as I tried to find something anatomical that's represented by the number 13 was some embryology. So by embryology, I mean the development of the human being in utero and this is often using a timeline of weeks. So I was able to go to embryology text, look at week 13, and come up with the following highlights. These things happen in the development of the human embryo at week 13. Here we go. Beginning to make urine and release it into the surrounding amniotic fluid. The baby also swallows some amniotic fluid. That sounds disgusting. I was not aware of this. I could always grow more of my embryological knowledge, and there is some urine that is released into the surrounding fluid. This is the fluid inside the amniotic sac. This is inside the uterus. The baby's kind of floating and suspended in this fluid at week 13, and uh, the oral cavity is developing, and so some of that gets in there. Uh, I assure you that this is not a problem, but nonetheless, this is what is happening. Other highlights include bones are beginning to harden uh, in the skeleton, especially in the skull and the long bones. Uh, I do teach this um, in my courses. The long bones do ossify and develop um, earliest compared to other types of bones like a flat bone, for example. Uh, the uh, baby skin is also still thin and transparent but it will start to thicken soon. So that's some information for you uh, by the numbers uh, for week 13.
Okay, let's move on to the philatelic by the numbers. And I think it for now anyway, what my trend has been is to review stamps that have a certain catalog number. So the let's move on to um, the Scott catalog number 13. And let me just give you the lay of the land on what's going on with Scott catalog number 13. Now there have been uh, five or 6,000 uh, stamps cataloged in the um, Scott catalog. So 13, I mean, we are still very much in the infancy of United States postage stamps. So this stamp uh, is a definitive. The denomination or the value of this stamp is 10 cents. The subject uh, of the design is good old George Washington. Color is around the, the shade of dark green. And we can see that this is going to be an example of a postage stamp that has different design variations. So Scott number 13 is referred to as a type one variety. It was issued in 1855. Recall that Scott number one was issued in 1847. So we're just eight years into the history of United States postage stamps. This stamp is imperforate, which means that it has straight edges, essentially. Uh, there's great debate out there as to what exactly the gauge of an imperforate stamp is. I will spare you that. The number of stamps that were recorded to have been printed or issued, you could say, was 500,000 making it relatively hard to come by. I mean, some of the stamps that were printed in the 50s, we're talking um, like in the billions, right? Uh, some of the more common definitives of today are in the billions. So 500,000 is relatively scarce. The type of printing that was used was called flat plate printing. These do not have watermarks. Uh, the technology or the security feature of watermarking had not yet happened at this time. And the Scott catalog value for a used example of Scott number 13 can range anywhere from $500 to $1,000. Uh, of course, we're appreciating that condition drives value, uh, how hot or cold the market is. And at least according to my own observations and what other people are saying in the podcast space, uh, there has been some of a what of an increase in uh, prices for some of these more uh, scarce stamps. So, five hundred to one thousand dollars is ballpark. It certainly could be uh, greater than. And if you find a very bad torn. Uh, with a pinhole in the middle, with a big hinge on the back, you could probably find one for less than 500. Okay, I do not have this in my personal collection. Uh, could work on that at some point down the road, but I am not actively looking for a number 13. I do not have one. I'm going to put a link down in the um, episode notes to uh, one of my favorite uh, visual uh, websites to show designs of postage stamps. This is the Swedish Tiger, just a great visual repository. And I'll make sure you get the link to number 13. Now, I do want to just give you a little bit more history on number 13. Not until April 1st, 1855, did it become mandatory to prepay to have your letter mailed. So that is kind of an interesting idea. Um, this is what we are seeing um, transition at a, in, in 1847. We're looking at the prepaying of postage. Um, previously, the recipient of the letter would pay uh, in order to receive the letter. So now we're seeing um, prepay instead of postpay. 
the letter rate for distances greater than 3,000 and under half an ounce for a letter was 10 cents. So that's like how this stamp was used. If you wanted to send a letter greater than 3,000 miles away that is under half an ounce, this is what you would stick on there. The domestic rate um, for letters over half an ounce was also 10 cents. So because this 10 cent stamp was relatively common, uh, th that's why. Because, because we have um, distances greater than 3,000, but also domestic rate for letters over half an ounce. I think that the current postage rate today covers letters that weigh two ounces, up to two ounces. So it's um, interesting that we had in the past this half an ounce threshold, if you will. And once we reach um, over half an ounce, you're into the 10 cent, you would have used a number 13 on your, on your letter. So it was relatively common, not only used for foreign mail, but also for that coast to coast mail. So we're again, greater than 3000 um, miles. And that is of course gonna be uh, the distance between the, the East Coast and the West Coast, I'm thinking. So that's it for some of the facts and figures behind a philatelic number 13 for episode 13, and that is the United States Scott number 13. All right, let's go into the main substance, the main feature of episode 13. That is the 200th anniversary of the birth of black leader Barney Ford. So let me take you through um, what I did to honor uh, the late Barney Ford. So why even honor Barney Ford? I think that one of the amazing things about my custom cover um, project is that it's it's lifelong learning. I don't know exactly how I came across this fact, but looking at important dates in Colorado history for 1822 gave me January 22nd, 1822, the birth of Barney Lancelot Ford. So let me quote from Wikipedia. Uh, Mr. Ford was an escaped slave. He became a wealthy entrepreneur and civil rights pioneer in Colorado. Ford persevered in his quest for new businesses despite barriers due to, surprise, racism. Also, due to war, I think they're probably um, referencing the Civil War there, uh, also fell victim to fires and unscrupulous partners. He was particularly interested in establishing barbershops, restaurants, and hotels. He was interested in investing in mines. A lot of mining in Colorado in the 1800s, of course. He was a civil rights pioneer. He was a proponent of education, and he supported the Underground Railroad. You're going to want to hold on to that fact. That's going to play. Uh, it's going to fold into the, what I put on this, the envelope here. He lobbied for the right to vote. So we're talking about universal voting rights. He argued that Colorado should not be admitted to the union until all males were allowed to vote. Now, of course, we need to pause and acknowledge that this is, of course, omitting the right for females to vote. That did come eventually, and that is unfortunate that Barney was not for universal voting rights for all people. However, he was able to make some successful arguments that delayed the admission of Colorado into the, the union until this condition was met. He also led the formation of school programs and buildings. 
So very important, very influential black leader in Colorado history. And this is a really opportune time to talk about Barney Ford as we've just come into February on Black History Month. And I did not really plan it this way because remember, um, looking at uh, Barney Ford is purely related to the 200th anniversary of his birth in 1822. So I was really super excited to um, hear Barney Ford's name on the radio this morning. And this was random. I didn't have uh, public radio on for very long, but they were talking about Barney Ford and they were talking about Barney Ford Day and how this was going to kick off Black History Month in the state of Colorado. So I missed the the entire story. And so I went online and I actually found, uh, just by simply searching Barney Ford Day in Colorado, I found the House Joint Resolution uh, on the legislation website for Colorado government. And I'd like to read it to you because, again, it really establishes why this is important for us to, for me, to honor Barney Ford and to put him on this envelope and consider him one of the select few people that I will honor this year. So the state of Colorado celebrates black leaders and their accomplishments during Black History Month. Barney Ford was born enslaved 200 years ago in 1822. He escaped at age 26 and wrote to his enslaver, quote, if I can do better by myself than I can with you, I feel that I am at liberty to do so, for this is common to all free men. Now, he was 26 years old, so this was in 1848. So he would have had many more years uh, of slavery and horrendous conditions, I'm assuming. So I'm glad to see that Barney was able to uh, get out of a bad situation. Barney, uh, also the, um, the proclamation here, goes on to read that he was one of the first 50 African Americans to arrive in Denver in 1860. He soon became known by the name of the King of Restaurateurs. I guess restaurant entrepreneur, right? He was very big in the restaurant scene. He suffered several significant business losses due to the Great Denver Fire. I need to learn more about that. There was bankruptcy, there was financial ruin, yet he remained undeterred in his pursuits. He was the first African-American Coloradan to serve on a grand jury, and he was nominated to the territorial legislature in 1873. These sound like huge accomplishments, given uh, what was going on at the time. Talk about institutional structured racism today. Um, it was probably intense in the 1870s. He was one of the territory of Colorado's black leaders. He petitioned for universal suffrage in the state constitution. He impacted not just Colorado, but the nation with his far-reaching influence and pioneering efforts for black civil rights. And a stained glass portrait of Barney hangs in the Colorado House of Representative Chambers in honor of his impact. Hang on to that as well. I'm, that's going to come to play in the custom cover. Barney Ford's legacy remains important today as Colorado citizens take stock of where racism persists and his legacy gives visibility to the people and organizations creating change. Therefore, we, the members of the Colorado General Assembly, recognize and applaud the contributions of Barney Ford to the great state of Colorado and recognize February 1st, 2022 as Barney Ford Day. 
I get goosebumps just reading that. That is impressive. That is amazing legislation. And I think that it is very awesome to be on the subject of Barney Ford back on January 22nd and to have this fold in as well. Now, it says that February 1st, 2022 as Barney Ford Day. I don't know if this is a one-off. I'll have to read a little bit more. Um, if you know anything more about anything I say during this episode, please do um, contact me uh, in the episode uh, notes. Uh, in, in, however, this is coming to you. I'm sure my contact information is there. And I hope every February 1st is Barney Ford Day. This kicks off Black History Month in the state of Colorado. And what better way than to pick one of the most important pioneers. So I'm looking right at Barney's face uh, in a photograph that is appearing on his Wikipedia page. Um, I will have a link to that in the notes below. And I encourage you always to do your own investigation into Barney. He did some amazing things for Colorado and for the nation. So the stage is set. I have an I have a key date for a key person in the state that I am born and still residing in. I love Colorado. And what did I do from there? So I grabbed an envelope. At this stage in the game, I'm just grabbing standard business size envelopes. Please keep in mind that my budget is is very extremely finite and limited. So I am usually putting these projects together uh, with whatever I have available at hand. So I've got a lot of business envelopes, so that's what I grabbed. And each one of these custom covers has the following elements to it. I've got the envelope, and I have to put a cachet on the envelope. I do the cachet because that seems to be what most people do that make these custom covers. Uh, most of these commemorative covers, whether it's a first day cover, uh, they just have some inst- interesting visual element. You could call it artwork. And so what I chose to put on Barney's envelope is the stained glass that hangs uh, in the um, House of Representatives chamber. I was able to find a great photo of it online and I was able to uh, reproduce that on the envelope. So basically, just to describe it for you, it's a vertically oriented rectangle. Uh, Barney is standing, uh, holding a cane in his right hand, and he's holding a a scroll of paper in his left hand. And I can only assume that it is, uh, this represents the the legislation uh, for um, Colorado. This represents like the state constitution. And this has to represent his push for universal um, voting rights, universal suffrage to be included in Colorado's constitution. So that is appearing in the stained glass. He is standing on what looks like a curb, if you will. There's a street in the background. And on the other side of the street is a school building. There is an American flag that is run up a flagpole at the peak of the building. And there are several windows just speaking to several classrooms and Barney's efforts in supporting education and the many, many students that have benefited from his generosity and his legacy. So it's a really amazing piece of stained glass. His name appears on a scroll at the bottom, Barney L. Ford, 1822 to 1902. Uh, There is a a symbol there. There is a circle, and inside the circle is a shovel and a pickaxe. I think this is um, in reference to Barney's investments in mining in Colorado. 
So very cool. Um, that is what I've done for the cache. I have got it down in graphite and I need to add some color to it. I've really been finding that colored pencil is it works really well on these envelopes. Uh, I get a little bit nervous about using ink because of its, um, you know, predisposition to running and bleeding. And uh, I'll, I'm really just, again, working with what I have. I go to my kid's pencil box. I rifle through, find various colors of colored pencils of various lengths, grab the pencil sharpener and, and go from there. I don't know what else to add. Um, I've got Barney already represented here, like his person, his his visual of Barney is on there. Um, I may need to just add one more thing because I've got a little bit more space. I really want to actually put this quote down. I heard this on the radio as they must have been reading from the house joint resolution. Um, if I can do better by myself than I can with you, I feel that I am liberty to do so for this is common to all free men. I have a, a fountain pen that I've recently got out and got working and I might get brave and I may write this quote using my fountain pen just to give it a nice touch. So then uh, you take your eye across the envelope to the right hand side and this is where I put the postage stamps. Now it depends on what I have at hand. I happen to have three relevant postage stamps in mint condition that are unused, that are very common, that I could lick and stick on this envelope I do need to pay attention that I take the total of these stamps, and if it does not equal the current first class envelope rate, I need to add some more, and my go-to is to just slap a forever stamp on there. So for me, in my pursuit, in the rules and boundaries that I define for this project, I want to try to grab postage stamps that have some kind of connection, relevance, symbology to the event at hand. So I want to commemorate um, Barney Ford. So this is what I did. I had a mint Harriet Tubman. I asked you to hold on to this Underground Railroad, Barney Ford, a supporter of Harriet Tubman, big involvement in the Underground Railroad. So that gets to go on this envelope. I also, and this is uh, part of the Black Heritage series of postage stamps. Uh, then we've got uh, one of the Black Heritage stamps of Martin Luther King Jr. He is just to the right of Harriet Tubman. This, of course, is in reference to and connected to Barney's civil rights efforts, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. And I also have a stamp on here. I found a mint stamp from 1963, the 100-year commemoration of the Emancipation Proclamation. This is a stunning stamp. It's very simple. It's very minimal, but it sends a strong message. There is a blue background and there is a black chain. There is a couple of links of a chain and one of the links is broken in the middle. So this represents the breaking of the bondage and it is just really good. And it represents Barney's own escape out of his bondage um, in 1848 when he was 26 years old. So those three stamps I could find were uh, relevant to the subject. I added a forever stamp that I think is from 2019. It is your standard flag definitive. So that really just rounds out the postage. Um, I found that postal clerks at this point, they really aren't checking as far as I can tell for proper postage. 
Um, but I don't really, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it would be a little shorthanded. <laughs> I'm not going to try to send this anywhere and take advantage, but I still think that it's kind of weird to not have the current amount of postage on there that's required. So I go into the post office and actually let me back up. What post office do I go to? As I mentioned, I'm a busy guy. If I don't have time, I go to whatever post office I can. So often many of my custom covers, they're just at my local um, post office. So I, I go in there and it's one of like six people that work there. I see them. Uh, I don't think we're on a first name basis, but I'm assuming that they recognize me and they hand me their cancellation device. They let me hit the uh, stamps and then um, I can walk out with the envelope. I don't have to put it in the mail. I don't have to risk damage. So I was actually in this case really good with my planning. I had already planned to go visit Barney Ford's tombstone at the Riverside Cemetery uh, in Denver. And I looked at a post office's uh, in that area, and there was a post office one mile from the burial location of Barney Ford. Now, Barney was born in Virginia in 1822, but he did die in Denver in December of 1902. Uh, so he is buried at Riverside Cemetery along with his wife, Julia. And also, uh, they had a boy named Louis Napoleon and a girl named Sadie. And I think there were some other names on this uh, headstone, on this uh, marker at Riverside. I just do not remember without looking at my photos. So I was able to find a post office that also had like geographic connection to the subject of this envelope. So I went into the uh, Denver Stockyard Station. The funny thing about this is we are not that far from the stockyards of the National Western Complex. So this is where the stock show is held in Denver every year for like 130 years. So it was really meaningful to me to go to the stockyard, to go to that post office a mile from where Barney Ford has been laid to rest. And I have my cancellation and it very clearly reads January 22nd, 2022. I think that's why this project is so meaningful to me is that there's like one day in time that some of these things are commemorated and it's it's in a special way. It's it's kind of like one of a kind. It just has a lot more weight to it and a lot more significance to it for that reason. So that describes the uh, the cover. That is what I did. Uh, anything else you would like to know about it? Let me know. I will try to get it finished. I need to finish the cachet. If you follow me on social media, again, go to my link tree, uh, Dissecting Philately. It will be uh, in the notes below and uh, you'll be able to kind of follow me. I'll put a photo up on Instagram. I'll put a photo on Twitter and you'll be able to see the final project. So let's keep things moving. Okay, closing remarks. Let's close out episode 13. So uh, I would like to just close things uh, out here by uh, recognizing and acknowledging that February is, of course, Black History Month. I have uh, put a link to a photo of all of the Black Heritage series of postage stamps 
that the United States Postal Service has issued. Uh, it's just great to see um, which individuals have been honored uh, in this series and to just see all of them together. Uh, you might not uh, uh, know or appreciate or recognize how many of these have been issued. Um, I should have done my uh, homework here. The um, the first ones were when this postage stamped in, uh, values were 13 cents. So I want to say that was in the mid 80s uh, that this series started and they just released um, a black heritage stamp not too long ago. I think they try to get them out early in the year so that way they can be used uh, to honor uh, black history uh, in February. So I want to draw attention to that, amplify that, uh, and magnify the importance of recognizing and um, black history and black leaders in our communities. Now, my other closing remark is what is going on um, for um, philately and anatomy for me for 2020? Uh, we around our house, we do a lot of resolution, a lot of reflecting, a lot of gratitude exercises. Uh, what happened in 2021 that was great. Uh, what do we want to do and look forward to in 2022? So just to narrow it down to um, philately, I think the main goal uh, for me for 2022 is to really continue to make these high quality custom covers. I upped my game uh, in several areas in, in the research and the planning, also in, with the homemade light box and getting things put together that way. So I really want to uh, be more intentional with getting these covers created. I want to do at least an episode of the podcast monthly and as as of right now, the um, Rocky Mountain Stamp Show is scheduled to happen in May of this year. So that would be my first in-person stamp show since the shutdown of 2020. Uh, I will say that the Rocky Mountain Stamp Show was not held in 2020 because it would have been in May and that was super close to lockdown. Uh, things were not that much better in 2021 in May. But hopefully uh, in May of this year, 2022, we'll be able to be in person at the Arapahoe County Fairgrounds uh, to be able to uh, be in person, uh, visit some dealers. Oh, man, my kids, uh, my, my poor youngest daughter was just too young to go in 2019. And big sister got one of the um, historic postage stamps of the United States albums from the Mystic Stamp Company. And it's pretty basic. It doesn't by any means include all catalog numbers and all U.S. postage stamps. But it's great in that way because the most common ones are on the album pages. So it's very feasible that a young collector could complete pages and even complete the album on a uh, relatively uh, small budget. So that's what I hope to do in the philatelic world. Um, gosh, my work and my anatomy plans, I mean, my goals there are, are lengthy uh, and ambitious, but kind of along the same theme of going to an in-person stamp show, I want to go to an in-person anatomy conference. I haven't been to a professional conference since lockdown, and I'm registered for a conference in Philadelphia for the American Association for Anatomy. That's my big professional meeting for my anatomy work. And as of right now, fingers crossed, it is scheduled to happen in person in Philadelphia, April 2nd through the 5th. I just got an email saying that my uh, research abstract was accepted for presentation. So I'm excited to go to present my work, to get some feedback, meet colleagues, 
And of course, fold in some philately into the trip. I've never been to Philadelphia. Lots, lots, lots of postal history. I think Benjamin Franklin is buried in Philadelphia, uh, played a pivotal role in starting the postal service, uh, United States first postmaster general. So a lot of history in Philadelphia, and I hope to be able to visit there um, in the beginning of April. So those are my closing remarks. That's it for the episode. Please take a look uh, in the episode notes that are published along with this episode. Uh, it depends on your podcast platform, where you're going to find these. If you're going to swipe up, down, left, right, double tap, uh, click your heels and spin around. However, you can make that meta data, that, that extra info pop up for you and hit those hyperlinks. Uh, Give me your feedback. Keep some ideas coming. Let me know how it's going. Is the episode too long, too short? What have you got for me? What do you like to listen to? 38 people approximately are listening to these. And uh, if you want it to be better in some way, please don't hesitate to contact me using the information below. I hope that you had a great January. Take some time in February uh, to honor Black history, our Black leaders in our communities. And um, also just to honor uh, all uh, black people and people of color in our lives. And then uh, we'll um, catch up with you on the next episode. Bye.